Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Play that clip from Nate Silver. He was on uh, ABC this week yesterday talking about who's got what endorsements and whether or not it matters, which is kind of interesting. This hour, I've become... Probably not is the answer, if you watch politics, endorsements. Yeah. Well, he's got some interesting uh, historic on that. Uh, Well, we'll talk about that when we talk about that. Cute little AOC endorsing her great-grandfather. That was sweet. (laughs) I like that story as an American story. Her politics are not my politics, but I like that story as an American story that she decided to run, took a long shot run, and now she's seen a couple years later from nobody seen as a key endorsement in a presidential race. The fact yes, that that can happen amazing. in this country, there's a lot of countries, most countries throughout human history, where there's no way you can rise up that way. The fact that she's a crackpot simpleton takes a lot of the fun out of it for me. But I see what you're talking about. 
That's she got it. them realtor eyes. Well, yes, and she's got them realtor I, eyes. I she's a, got them. I had a story about uh, South Korea is going to get to uh, gold, gold spoons versus dirt spoons. And it's how they've got income inequality like we can't even imagine in, in South Korea. Hmm. And it's institutionalized in a way that it's not here, in my opinion. Uh, the Bernie crowd would disagree. But, for instance, when you apply for a job in South Korea, you write down who your parents are. Oh, boy. Because it matters to whether you get the job. Oh, boy. That's how different it is other other lands. And here you got a bartender like Sandy, what's her name? Decides to start calling herself by uh, her her full name AOC runs for an office and she's a key endorsement and in front of tens of thousands of people for Bernie Sanders. You know, that's not going to happen in a country. You have to write down who your parents are before you get hired. Sure, and listen, I have mocked AOC and will continue to mock her without shame nor hesitation. <coughs> oh my God! God tried to kill me. <laughs> He's being silenced. Wow. Wow. That was. I have changed my life. I'm Saul on the road to Damascus, for those familiar with the good book. Maybe without shame or hesitation, but a little mm. bit of smiting involved. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back the Old Testament God. <laughs> but if I see locusts, run. I was going to say, before the hand of the Almighty uh, lit down upon me with great force. <laughs> That I've made fun of her, I will continue to do so. Please don't do it again. (laughs) But the fact that a citizen legislator is doing their thing in Congress and people are listening to her is a beautiful thing. I wish there were way, way, way more of it. The more, listen. As opposed to Elijah Mm -hmm. Cummings' wife running to take his seat because they're going to keep it in the family. Right. The idea Americans have that you must be a lifelong political professional to hold a seat in Congress or be a senator or the president. You know, uh, it took me a while, and I disagree profoundly with Mayor Pete on a bunch of policy stuff, but the idea that uh, an intelligent, reasonable mayor of a decent-sized city would impress the people and we'd say, yeah, let's give him a try. I don't mind that. I really don't. I'd prefer it be a governor, I think, but it's not that important. Well, my screed was about the uh, upward mobility of America, not uh, for or against AOC. So I'm still in favor of that. Um, You know, since we're talking politics, why don't we get this out of the way? This is Nate Silver. He does a lot of crunching numbers. I like his website. He gets killed by the right and the left, which probably is a sign that uh, he crunches numbers the way he crunches numbers. Because sometimes on MSNBC, they're just killing him. Is being an idiot when he's got something that helps Trump. And then I see the opposite on other channels. But anyway, here he is talking about endorsements yesterday. If you look at endorsements this year, they suggest the Democratic primary is still pretty wide open. Joe Biden leads in endorsements in 538's tracking, but he has only about 25% of them so far. Second is Kamala Harris, and third is Cory Booker. Warren is just fourth by contrast, and Sanders, even with his new endorsements this weekend, is stuck in sixth place. So, I buy that endorsements matter when there's a consensus of them that point clearly in one direction. This year, there is not, at least not yet. Well, you had me at Kamala Harris is in second. Cory Booker's in third? Oh, that was, yeah, extra hilarious. I've been saying forever that endorsements don't mean anything, and I don't think they very, I don't think they do very often at all. His point was kind of after the fact, if most endorsements go to one person, that person tends to win. But that doesn't surprise me. Everybody jumps on that train at the point that it looks like they're inevitable. And right, yeah. Is that, yeah. 
by the time that's clear, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, exactly. And he made the point that the guy that's currently president got zero endorsements. Zero. Michael, Mr. Armstrong's last phrase sounded a lot like George W. Bush before I was in prison. (laughs) After I was in prison. (laughs) I mean, it was remarkably similar. (laughs) I know you're busy in there. You got logs, you got buttons, you got levers, but yeah. Do Endorsements we, are stupid. Do we do we actually have that clip? Because I would wait for it if we have it, because it is one of my favorite all-time clips. Yeah. Some of our <laughs> clips have disappeared. Before I arrived in president? During I arrived in president? Yes. We have broken that down so many times. <laughs> oh, boy. Play it again. i got to listen to it closely. Before I arrived in president? During I arrived in president? That was a mess. All the way around. And, and the first During half I was arrive it, in president? But it sounded like present. The first <laughs> oh, that's right. I mean, like the first half is as fraught with what the hell is the second half? But Before I arrived way. in president? During I arrived in president? During I arrived in president. <laughs> Before I, mean, I arrived in president? If he was a... Fr- and listen, George Bush, George W. Bush was extremely well read. They think he may have read more than any modern president. A voracious reader. That sounds like a first-year English student from Sri Lanka. Well, one one flaw of our system, I was just talking about how great our system is in terms of uh, upward mobility. One flaw of our system is glibness is way too highly regarded. Way too highly regarded. That's how I make my living. Well, that's so fine. Why you get off my corner? That's fine. Trying to sell hot dogs that's over fine here, for huh? radio hosts. <laughs> but we shouldn't choose our presidents based on how quickly they can get lines out of their mouth just perfectly. Also read three Shakespeare's. Or more importantly, how we dismiss people who can't. Right. Some how, how about you quietly them... earnest wise man or woman. Get out off the stage! <laughs> Boo! Boring! Represented respectably by Prime Minister Ehud Omar and President Mahmoud Abbas. Oh boy. <laughs> that was a rough um, one. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I also love the throwing in, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Senator, can you name the foreign minister from Zimbabwe? No. Gaff, as Senator, fails to name the... <laughs> like that matters. Um, how about somebody gets me a memo with that name before I call him? <laughs> it's not like I'm going to run into him in the mall Represented and be embarrassed and that'll... By Prime Minister Ehud Olmert. Now you're just... And President no. Mahmoud Abbas. Now you're just piling on, Michael. George Bush's uh, willingness to, to plow forward instead of bailing. I would have ejected on a b- bunch of those. Yeah. Just pull yeah. the cord. The president and the uh, prime minister. <laughs> Whatever your name is. <laughs> I wanted to get to one of my favorite new topics, critical race theory as a thing. Oh, yeah. There's a new book out about it that is just... This is going to, I don't know how many people this is catching on with, but if it catches on with enough people, we're absolutely headed towards serious violence in this country, the sort of thing that you only see in other countries. Yes. Yeah. It is a seriously damaging disease oh if my it God. catches. Wait till you hear about this hot new book that's out and the way it's being received, and uh, and there are people that believe this stuff. Uh, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. You bought a couple of pumpkins yesterday, did a little carving, the boys did. The one this year was able to uh, dig the gunk out himself. Oh, yeah. So it's a tough thing for a kid. Man up, son. It's pretty gross. It feels pretty gross. It's a pretty gooey, cold, clammy, sticky <sighs> feeling. <sighs> but uh, my youngest still couldn't go there. He tried a couple of times. He just couldn't go there. So. Wow. <laughs> I had to dig that funny. up for him. <laughs> it, is, it is an act of, of discipline, even as a grown man. <laughs> It's gross. To grab that stuff. It feels like things millions of years of evolution have conditioned us to stay away from. Right. Yeah. It's a sick enough. <laughs> oh, what a great tradition. Um, I'm, I've become kind of obsessed with this whole criti- critical race theory stuff. Good. That is popular in America. I, I wish I would have had, uh, memorized by now all the different terms and nuances of it. In general, the critical race theory thing has been around for many decades, but it's exploded like in the last 10 dozen years um, with all these new books and professors writing these new things and really taken off, especially on college campuses. But uh, the question, of course, is how prevalent this actually is, how many people actually buy into this and and how much it grows. Because if it does, we will have serious violence in this country if people completely buy into it. Notice there was a giant brawl. Santa Monica Pier, I believe, in California. A group of pro-Trump people and anti-Trump clashed. were uh, macing each other, you know, pepper spraying each other and trading fists and the rest of it. So that sort of thing is becoming more and more routine. Critical race theory is where this whole concept of white privilege comes from and the idea that everything is racist, that the entire everything, TV shows, banking, obviously the the, the justice system, our foods, our school, clothing, everything is racist. And if you don't acknowledge that, you, uh, you are not acknowledging your white privilege. And then, uh, what was the term I came across the other day in one of the YouTube videos watching? You don't have good race stamina. You're still not strong enough to deal with it. Oh, boy. Everything is positioned in such a way that you can't win. Right. There's, there's no winning this. Yeah. If you, if you deny the white privilege thing, well, then you're just trying to perpetuate it so you're a racist. Mm-hmm. Or you don't have the stamina yet to be able to deal with it, so you're not strong enough to take it on. But it's still, Well, and still remember, on. if you try to do the right thing, that's just to make yourself look good. So that's not, it can't possibly be sincere. Right, uh, which is troubling. Um, so here's this guy going around with his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. His name is Ibram X, and he's drawn huge crowds everywhere he goes. Washington Post gave it a review and interviewed him with no critical questions whatsoever on wow. this. Just so I take that as a full endorsement of the philosophy. If there's no, yeah, but how about this? But, you know, fact check, this could be true or anything like sure. that. Yeah. How to Be an Anti-Racist um, is the name of the book. With the theory that someone is being racist when he or she endorses a racist idea or policy. He wants to get away from somebody slipping here or there, was that racist? Or saying something and it was that racist? No, you're racist if you endorse a racist idea or policy. I thought, hmm, I can get on board with that. I like it. Second, he doesn't acknowledge that not racist is a category. Not racist doesn't exist. At all times, people are either being racist or anti-racist. You're either working currently to get rid of racism, or you are being racist. Ah. There's no in-between. Right. There's no in-between safe space of not racist. So if I'm not working with him on his side, I am a racist. Absolutely. Now I've got some better examples. 
Through his scholarship, he has traced nearly six centuries of racist and anti-racist ideas. He could not do the same for not racist. It's an identity without content. I'd like to hear a bunch of people, you know, tear into that and dig into that, but the Washington Post thought no reason to challenge that whatsoever. That is a ludicrous assertion. I would agree, but anyway. All policies, even the most trivial, trivial, are either racist or anti-racist, he argues. They support equity or they don't. A do-nothing approach to climate change is racist because climate change overwhelmingly affects people of color on the planet, so if you're not working to end climate change, you are racist. This is already morally or intellectually bankrupt well it's working it doesn't you know as you know things don't have to make sense to catch on and be huge and people dying in the streets over it. oh yeah uh, forgiving student debt and offering universal health care would be anti-racist policies remember there's no in between that's either you're either working to be anti-racist by p- promoting universal health care and forgiving all student debt or are you are a racist because people of color are more likely to have student debt or lack health care, so these policies would lessen, if not erase, those in, uh, inequities. In other words, if you follow his language, unless you're fully on board with, for instance, the Elizabeth Warren platform, you are, by his definition, a racist. Mm-hmm. And once you are, by nef- definition, a racist, well, then no holds are barred. You can't, you can't tolerate racists. We've all said this over and over oh, no. in the country. Any <laughs> level of uh, any level of violence or anything is okay to stop racists. Right. They should be beaten or jailed or killed. And that would Ask be... Ask Antifa, they'll tell you. And, you so know, the idea that you could be acutely every moment of your life uh, uh, concerned about racism and the fate of, say, young black people in America, but think overall affirmative action is not helpful. That position does not exist because this guy gets to defend, I'm sorry, to define what is a racist policy or institution, and you're either on his side or you're a racist. That's well, true. That's that, fair. That example's too nuanced for <clears throat> me. The, the one of a forgiving college debt. You, you don't agree with that? You think that a, a lot of rich kids took out loans and it was a bad mistake and that my kids didn't take out loans, why should I pay for it? That you're, doesn't, I don't care what you're saying. You're a racist if you're not for wiping out this college debt. Um, uh, point of order there, uh, uh, Einstein. What about the uh, black janitor who didn't go to school at all, who's paying taxes? What if I think... It, He's going to pay for, you know, uh, Cory Booker's college degree. Well, what if I think a full takeover of the medical system by the government is socialism, and I think you're that will be the You're a racist. racist. So if this catches on, I don't know how big this is, but he's going around doing book tour. They've had to move it out of bookstores and start renting arenas nearby. He's getting so, such big crowds. If this catches on as a thing, we are going to have violence in the streets. Yeah. Again. If, 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 because if, you're put, if I'm put in a position of accept socialism or I'm a racist... What am I supposed to do? That's that's a tough one. I don't Load know how your big, guns and put up your dukes. I, I guess I don't know how much this is growing. It it certainly it is growing. I don't know if it's from tiny to slightly less than tiny, but well, it's it's on the fringes. But the fact that well, universities have outsized influence because they indoctrinate the young, and this philosophy's got a lot of sympathy on the lefty media, which has crazy outside it. Well, again, outsized the influence. Washington Post interviewed him and reviewed him, and there was no pushback on this concept at all. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's pathetic. It's scary. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, the race is breaking wide open. we got one Democratic presidential hopeful surging. We've got the latest poll results in from Iowa. U.S. troops out of Syria, but not coming home yet. And Google's latest offering, where the speed traps are. Coming up. 
Plus, I'll feature some emails we've received from Pierre Delecto, one of our loyalists. That's actually Mitt Romney's burner Twitter account yeah. name. Pierre Delecto. <laughs> I mean, he was just doing minor dabbling in politics, right? He wasn't, like, hitting on college girls like Carlos Danger was. Right, yeah, Anthony Weiner. No, this is so Mitt Romney-ish. His uh, secret Twitter account was boring. <laughs> <laughs> interesting text we're just talking about critical race theory and and discussing you know to what extent that's growing or whatever the idea that you're either a racist or or actively working to be anti-racist there's no there's no such thing as saying i'm not a racist you can't do that you're either working to be anti-racist or you're you're a racist and working by that person's definition yeah and they get and they get to define the terms um uh, we got one text saying that the whole critical race theory is huge in the seminaries. It's really big, and a lot oh, of boy. a lot of pastors, both uh, well known and uh, small, are are worried about how it's affecting that. And we got this text: as a person of color, God, I hate that term. I have to say that anti-racism has become a racist, racist, secular religion, complete with original sin, blasphemy, and heretics. Now, anti-racism, mm-hmm. anti-racism has become an excuse to be racist towards white people. Well, we've talked a lot about over the last couple of years. You hear regu- things said regularly that you think, how is that not racist toward white people to say white people can't do this? You're making a, a, a generalization about people based on you race. You need to shut up at a city council meeting because we don't want to hear from white people. Right. That yeah. woman. We played mm-hmm. that. That's sure. what's driving that is the anti-racism aspect of critical race theory. Pretty interesting and scary. I mean, terrifying. Like could destroy the country. Yeah. Uh, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, we have got a new USA Today Suffolk University poll that has just been released, and it shows it's a new three-way race in Iowa. South Bend Mayor Pete Surges in the poll, taken on Wednesday, of Democrats in Iowa. Joe Biden's at 18%, Elizabeth Warren 17%, Mayor Pete 13% among 500 likely Democratic caucus goers in that state. Bernie is down at 9% right now. Now, the uh, significant changes from the last year... Bernie being at 9% in Iowa, he's got to be concerned about that. Yeah, one foot in Iowa, one foot in the grave. I mean, just being honest. Wow, are you? Significant changes from the last USA Today poll at the end of June when Biden led by double digits and Mayor Pete trailed at a distant 6%. So there's changes going on. I would not want to bet my own money on how this turns out. I have no idea. I have, and I'm losing my arse. What's, uh, Sean, you follow this sort of stuff closer than I do. What's Mayor Pete's... um, Because Elizabeth Warren, she gets to the top of polls, they come after her. But I knew how people were going to come after her. Her utopian pie in the sky right. ridiculousness. What's the, what's Mayor Pete's vulnerability politically? His support with black voters seems to be his mm, biggest yeah. weakness. Gotcha. Yeah, hasn't done super great dealing with some police shooting things in South Bend. That's the knock from the left. Mm. It has been three weeks. I hate to I hate to say it. I don't want this to be true, but that could help him in terms of being seen as. Uh, more moderate candidate that could that could get some of that middle right. chunk of people, huh? He's not a Black Lives Matter right. guy. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, I'd, I'd like to know the facts before I leapt to any conclusions, but that makes me a bad person, according to critical race theory. 
Well, it's been three weeks since Bernie Sanders had that heart attack, and on Saturday, Bernie made his first official campaign rally appearance, and the rally was held in the district of progressive Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in Queens, New York. I am happy to report to you that I am more than ready. Or an embalmer. <laughs> wow! What? Uh, no. More ready than ever. To leave this earthly peril. To carry on with you the epic struggle that we face today. And Bernie brought along a bid endorsement with him, Congresswoman AOC, who praised Sanders for being a trailblazer. An enormous amount of the House of Representatives endorsed Medicare for All. That's thanks to Bernie. She's right about that. Cartoon Mouse with her endorsement there. Not a joke. He did move the party. I, I I can't remember any human being moving a party that much. In that amount of time as Bernie. Seeing estimates of between twenty to 25,000 yeah. for the crowd that showed up for that. Um, she, uh, she should know that when she attempts to talk loud in front of a big crowd, it makes her sound even younger. She always sounds young because she's young. But she sounds like a nine-year-old when she's trying to talk really loud. Yeah, that 16-year-old Greta Thunberg sounded like a granny compared to <laughs> AOC there. A granny. Here, compare, do we have the two... You have stolen my childhood and my dreams. Let's have her with AOC back-to-back. All right, you want a little AOC again? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. An enormous amount of the House of Representatives endorsed Medicare for All. That's thanks to Bernie. Now I have to do my math homework. And we're going to have chocolate milk at every recess. You have recess. stolen my dreams oh, yeah. my childhood with your empty words. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a grown woman. Close, yeah. yeah. All right, my friends, you who live in the nation's most populous state, get wi- get ready because the winds are going to be blowing again, and that could mean... And con- if the wind blows, you don't get electricity that, in America. That could mean controlled power outages for thousands of customers up and down California. PG&E's warning severe winds could lead to shutoffs across northern California. Southern California Edison sending warnings out to its customers. Similar shutoffs are possible for San Diego gas and electric customers. Yeah, but that pathetic infrastructure is offset by bums and junkies crapping in the streets. Huh. So. Meanwhile, Google Maps will soon let users see speed traps. The companies announced that the app will gain some features from the Waze app and let people go ahead and report police locations, objects in the road, crashes, lane closures, speed traps. A new feature is going to work with uh, both iOS and Android. Google said the feature aims to make roads safer. And that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Hey, digging into that poll a little more that's got yeah. um, Biden, Elizabeth, and Buttigieg. Edge, uh, edge they say. In the top three. Edge. They they break it down a little more. Among those surveyed who watched the debate, four in ten said Buttigieg was a candidate who did better than expected, whereas only um, one in four thought Biden did. Mm-hmm. And if you break down the poll to just people who watched the debate, yeah. 
And so there are a bunch of Iowans they polled that didn't even bother to watch the debate. <laughs> so a poll of nine people. <laughs> well, the debates are stupid. <laughs> they are. They stupid. probably would rather just go hear speeches over the course of several weeks. Among debate watchers only, Buttigieg held a lead in the poll at 19, ahead of Biden and Warren at 17. So if you watched the debate, yeah. you liked Buttigieg. Huh. I have no idea, like I said, how this is going to turn out. Among no the people idea. who watched the entire debate, there weren't any. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Well, I remember this in races past. You got the, the horse sticks his nose out front for a while, and, yeah. and the, the heat comes their way, and then they pull back, and a different horse comes out for a while. and It's just hard to say who's going to stick. Old Joe, old, old broken down Joe. But <laughs> well, I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. Yeah. <laughs> old Plowers Joe, they said for the longest time, was going to clearly, uh, uh, you know, cross the finish line first. Uh, maybe not. It's still wide. Oh, you know what? I was looking at predictit.org, which if you don't know, it's it's a website where people like me go and you buy shares in people. You invest in, they have all sorts of different things you can bet on. I'm demo, I'm betting on the Democratic primaries. It's political penny stocks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Liz Warren is at 42 cents a share, but she's down two cents. Joe Biden is back in second place now at 20 cents a share. Pete is at 15 cents a share. So he's in third. Bernie remains in fourth. Then it's Andrew Yang, Hillary. Cool. Kamala and Little Tulsi. <laughs> Little Tulsi, the Russian asset. Yeah, exactly. But uh, Nice Liz, asset. Liz Warren is dropping. Biden appears to be flat at 20 cents. Um, if you had to bet money, which would be a weird thing for anybody to do, break into your home, put a gun to your head, and make you declare who you think is going to be the nominee. But if you had to bet money or, or you with a gun to your head, who do you think would win? I don't even know. I don't even know I'd throw out. I, I don't know. No, I, I don't even know. I suppose I'd go with Elizabeth Warren if I had to choose somebody, but it's, I have no confidence in that. As a guy who's uh, wagered a couple of times, if they put in front of me the question, will it be one of the existent candidates or not, I would be tempted to say not if I could get some decent odds. That bet is not completely ridiculous. Never mind what's happening over on the Republican side of things. I mean, it's not clear that Donald J. will survive the impeachment thing. It's most probable he will. Um, but it's not 100% clear. So, yeah, the whole thing is just crazy right now. The world has gone crazy. Rahm Emanuel yesterday was on ABC This Week, and he said, I guarantee you the Republican senators are having the conversations at the, in the cloakroom. At what point do we bail on Trump? Now, Chris Christie said that's not true. Chris Christie said, no, as long as Trump's up around 90% of approval within the Republican Party, he's completely safe. But Rahm Emanuel believes they're having conversations. I'm thinking about, are you thinking about? Thinking about what? Oh, nothing. You know, it's like a, it's, it's like a, it's like a coup or, a, you know, when you run at the king or whatever. Right. To see who, anybody else kind of thinking maybe that, no, oh, no, never yeah, mind. Me neither. Me neither. I wasn't yeah. thinking that either. Yeah, I just I was testing you. Yeah. To make sure you're Trump Trump's yeah. Congratulations. Right. You passed. <laughs> you thought I was asking about taking out the, no, I was asking about going out for mutton after the joust. Because that's what I wonder at. If, it, if they impeach and they get to the Senate, 
Would you, could you get 20 Republicans who would say, look, if we all go together, he's out, he can't hurt us, We're he's out. Are there 20 Republicans that would do that? Mitt would. I mean, there, there's a handful you can name, Yeah, but that's a yeah. long way from 20. We were talking uh, before the show this morning, me and Hanson, executive producer Mike Hanson, about uh, Hillary's book tour right now, in which you got to pay, what are the ticket prices for that? 450 bucks? Huh. Oh, $45. Okay. So it's a $45 ticket to go see her book signing and her speech and the rest of it. What could Donald J. charge touring basketball stadiums? If he gets impeached and tossed out, doing a tour of the country, whipping people up and talking about how real people got screwed by the swamp and all. Ooh. Oh, my golly. That's some ugly politics. Yeah. Well, although he'd make a buck at it. Maybe he could, you know, serve up <laughs> Trump steaks in the parking lot. <laughs> Have a big party at the Doral Country right. Club or Trump whatever water. the rest of it, yeah. Uh, more on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So what did you nail down, Marshall? You had to study earlier of what age people are supposed to stop trick-or-treating. 12 to 17? 12 to, 12 to 17, but that actually... That is no at, answer. I looked at the breakdown, and most of the parents were leaning toward 12 to 13. That should be the cutoff. Yeah, it seems about right. But depends, yeah. again, it depends on the kid. Yeah, exactly. Listen... I went last year. <laughs> Obviously, society has changed a great deal. And right. what is a child? What is an adult? Is is evolved? Um, and what is a man? What is a woman? Uh, yeah, you're right. We can't even agree on that. Right. If a child could impregnate or be impregnated, they should not trick or treat. How about that for a standard? I don't know who's going to enforce that, and it's troubling. <laughs> Why are those things Best. combined? Yes. Well, well, how do what they do end mean? up in the well, same yeah. argument? What trick or treating and being sexually be imp- uh, developed? If you can, if you could be impregnated, you <laughs> or impregnate. Get, you shouldn't dress up and get candy. I'm just not sure how why these categories come together. You're no That's, longer a child. It's okay. time to grow up. Okay, uh, it's just candy, Joe. Man up or woman up. Let's be serious. Although with earlier and earlier puberty combined with later and later getting married and and full-time jobs Mm -hmm. and the rest of it, we've got this, well, I guess sociologists have written about it, this gulf, this new, what do they call it? Adultolescence or or something? (laughs) It does have a name. I have heard it. It's not that. Jimmy the Life Stage. (laughs) I I don't remember. Yeah, what is adolescence uh, is a pretty good one. Yeah, okay, yeah. get that going. Adult. No, no on, we've said good. it before. We've come across it. It's it's. Yeah, I know. Mm. I know. Among our more whimsical uh, requests is that the, the government cut down on the number of news stories because there's too much news. <laughs> well, that might happen. Paul, alert listener, Paul sent us along with a link um, to. Uh, California's passed yet another one of their utopian, idiotic bills. This one targeting mostly gig workers like Lyft drivers, Uber drivers, that sort of thing. But unintentionally or intentionally, it turns out freelance journalists are getting hammered by this. They cannot write 
more than 35 stories in a year for any individual uh, employer. Otherwise, you're an employee. Hmm. And they have to give you insurance and vacation time and, and whatever else. Um, and, and freelance journalists are horrified by this. So that's, you know, you could be, a, a, you know, chucking a weekly column at some paper. and But you can't do that anymore. So it's going to hurt them and their employment and their money-making opportunities. But what's what's good, though, Jack, is that the great, you know, paternalistic state of Cal Unicornia has told them, this life that you've sought out and are enjoying, it's not good for you. So we're going to make you do something different. And isn't that lovely that they're there for that? Hey, to back up to the previous story, it just popped into my head. Yep. Uh, the what age do you trick or treat? And Joe talking about impregnating people and whatever. No, I'm um, not <laughs> precisely right. Yeah. Um, my son mentioned some kid in his class the other day, and uh, and then he just offhandedly said he's got a mustache. Well, and I said he's got a mustache. Fourth grader. And he said, Yeah. There's. I said, How many? How many kids in your guys in your class have mustaches? He said, There's three. Three dudes in fourth grade that got mustaches. And one guy with the full lumberjack beard. I don't remember when mustaches started when I was a kid, but I don't think fourth grade. I don't think it was that young. Mm. Final thoughts with Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Never before have so few done so little for no one in particular. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, they don't hold kids back anymore, so it's you can't even make that joke or whatever. That's, mm. that's a of a bygone, bygone era. Mm. Uh, here's your host. He's got a mustache, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. It's our producer, Positive Sean. Final thought? Yes, new HBO show, The Watchmen, debuted last night after one episode. I am all in. I am still hesitant to give it my rubber stamp of approval of everyone should watch this. It's a, It seems weird. I'm going to watch it some more. I'll, I'll have more information as the series continues. Michelangelo, pressing the buttons in the control room. Final thought? Yeah, earlier today we talked about glamping, which was glamour camping, camping without discomfort. Isn't this like driving your car down a steep hill and calling it skiing? (laughs) America has gotten soft. Uh, Marshall Phillips, our esteemed newsman. Final thought? Uh, I I will tell you, I did go out and buy candy uh, this weekend in anticipation of the Halloween festivities, and I was shocked. Uh, Maybe I just haven't been paying attention. But they've got bags of $40 candy. I mean, $40 bag of candy. How big a bag uh, is it? Oh, it's huge. I mean, it's huge. But, my God, I uh, opted for the $6.99 bag. Jack, final thought for us? Yeah, I hate to be the only person with a serious final thought, because who wants that? But Again, then it puts me in an impossible position. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I'll go back to candy. The the crazy thing about Halloween is candy is so flippin' cheap. I mean, you could get if you wanted your kid to have pounds of candy, you could give it to him any time for a couple of dollars. My final thought is that Mitt Romney had a fake Twitter account under the name Pierre Delecto. My final thought, same as my opening thought, the top five rejected. Fake Twitter names, uh, number one, or number five, uh, Henri Pretty Panty. <laughs> number two, Guy Giggity. I'm sorry, before I numbered him backwards. Number three, Francois Trouser Pony. <laughs> number two, Alphonse Delicious. And number one, rejected Mitt Romney fake Twitter name, Mitt Romnot. <laughs> and he went with Pierre Delecto. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people, so little time. Armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> That's good. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say...
How very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? <coughs> oh, my God. God tried to kill me. <laughs> He's being silenced. Wow. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions. Limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.